1: Bama Online Podcast, this time on Monday afternoon, February the 15th, 2021. No, it is not Green Bay, Wisconsin, in frigid west-central Alabama. But Charlie Potter, I think we're getting a test drive. If we ever wanted to live... Up in the northern Midwest or the you know, Northeast or somewhere like that. I think we're getting a test drive on this Monday. And we certainly hope, first and foremost, each and every one of you out there are safe. We're just happy right now, right, Charlie? We've got our, we still got our power. You know, we're still nice and warm and cozy, but, uh, what's well, a rough stretch we got here?
0: Yeah, it's it's chilly, to say the least. Um, you know, Seeing what's happened in Texas and Mississippi and, and what's heading this way, I'm not really looking forward to it. I know we've prepared here at the, the house. Uh, the wife, actually, I mean, I've said it before on the podcast, she's a, a night shift nurse up in Birmingham, so she's going to be staying in a hotel this week because she has to work. And um, I don't want her driving back and forth between here and there with all the potential for ice, so going to be batching it up this week and potentially with with no power so it, it should be a fun entertaining week to say the least.
1: Yeah, maybe we'll just go everybody head over to Potters <laughs> and we'll just go old school on it, you know? We'll get Frank the Tank and uh I think I got the right movie there. Maybe we could just uh we could pull that off this week. No, in all seriousness, it's makes a ton of sense because it doesn't sound like the the roads are a place to be. Uh, trying to navigate things all that much here in the next couple of days. So, again, we hope we get through this stretch in good shape, and we certainly hope you do as well. One thing it does feel like outside, though, Charlie, is hoops weather. I mean, this is basketball weather. If there is one thing uh, we can try to take a silver lining from that uh, with, it's this Alabama men's basketball team continues to roll 115 to 82 winners over the Georgia Bulldogs on Saturday afternoon afternoon. At Coleman Coliseum, your biggest takeaway from the game, Charlie, was it the uh, return of Herb Jones to looking more like Herb Jones? Was it the depth of scoring that Alabama got in the game? Was it Darius Miles dunk late in the game? What was your biggest takeaway from that blowout? win of the dogs on Saturday.
0: Yeah, that dunk of the end was entertaining. I don't know, actually, what was more entertaining, the dunk itself or the, the bench reaction. <laughs> the, you mentioned it, the balance that Alabama got from a lot of guys offensively uh, was, was nice to see with how they've kind of struggled a little bit on the offensive and the floor. But for me, I mean, I wrote about it after the game. I asked the players and they and notes about it. It was, it was Herb Jones just because he's been banged up uh, since the Mississippi State game. And really, I mean, the, the finger was bothering him since the game at Kentucky, but he hurt the back and the glue area on him uh, in the Mississippi State game. So he's been uh, dealing with that injury over the last five games, and he hasn't really looked like himself. Uh, but you can tell he's kind of a step slow. He hasn't practiced uh, and things like that. And you know, he came out, and he was flying all over the floor. He had a bounce in his step. Um, there for a while, he was perfect from the field, and he hit his first three threes which is you know a new career high for him it tells you just he's a guy that's developed that as a part of his game but that's not where he's been effective uh before and it was was one of the better games of herb jones career um you know it was a game where of course you know he looked like his old self uh nate oates and his teammates said it's the best that the herbs look since he suffered the injury but uh he just looked different out there and it was good to see not only offensively with with 21 points which is a new career high 17 of those coming in the first half but defensively as well because it was a game that Alabama didn't really play its best whenever that's kind of been the, the strong suit of late is how it's played on the defensive end of the floor. But you know, Herb Jones was, was a lead on both ends, and uh, you know, it's good to see because he is a guy that you could tell in these last several games has just been laboring through that, that injury and playing through the pain. And it was good to see him kind of look
1: like his old self, if not better. It's kind of amazing when you consider how the week unfolded. Alabama, in the win at South Carolina, looked still like an NCAA tournament team. Herb Jones didn't look like Herb Jones, though, in that game. Herb Jones looks more like the Herb Jones we're used to seeing when he's healthy, and Alabama, in blowing out Georgia four or five days later, looks like a Final Four team. Is that Is that as simple as as you can kind of put it, or do you agree with that? I mean, with that Herb Jones on Saturday, this is a Final Four-type team.
0: Yeah, it's a team that can definitely make a run. I mean, Herb's arguably Alabama's best player and our most important player. And, uh, I don't think many people would argue with that. Um, of course, you know, he's not known for his offensive game, but with what he was able to do against Georgia, I mean, if he plays like that, Alabama is going to be hard to beat because then it opens things up for guys like Jaden Shackelford and Josh Primo and John Petty and Javon Quinterly, those guys to contribute to the box score as well. Uh, because Herb's a guy that he's going to attack and, um, you know, it, he showed that he can hit the three, but you know, he's the guy who's going to attack the rim and, and you know clean up the boards and, and get some second chance points. So with the way that he played, if he can keep this up, I mean Alabama's is going to be tough to beat. And then you got to think about it. You know Jordan Bruner is going to be coming back soon. Jawan Gary is going to be coming back from that shoulder injury. If they can get healthy and be consistent on the offensive end, of the floor because that hasn't really been the case, and maybe that has to do with her being limited. This team's going to be really dangerous come March.
1: The Miles dunk, as we'll refer to it from this point forward. Um, man, it was a tough week for Georgia. Georgia got posterized midweek and that loss to, to Tennessee. I'm sure you saw, I think it's Keon Johnson for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I mean, he absolutely posterized the dogs. And then Darius Miles does the honors on Saturday. Um, in-game dunkers. I've been thinking about that in recent days since that miles dunk, who are some of the better ones you've seen at Alabama? Um, you know, this team probably has a greater collection of those kind of guys, uh, than some previous teams. Uh, who would you put up there?
0: um yes yeah, that's, that's kind of tough um alabama's had some some decent dunkers um you know, the first guy that comes to mind is tony mitchell i know he's not a guy that really panned out so to say at alabama but he was yes. explosive and i mean i've been covering the team since what 2013 um mm-hmm. started cw so i haven't seen just the the full gamut but that's the first guy to come to mind um you know Boston. Yeah, i'd have
1: tony up there yeah yeah
0: yeah. Whenever you think of what Retton was able to do, uh, toward the end of his career, you know, under Avery Johnson, I mean, Retton was explosive. I mean, anytime you turned on the TV and, uh, you know, they're on the road, they were liking him to a defensive back and a football player with the way he attacks. So, um, those are a couple of guys that come to mind. you think of anybody else?
1: You know, Colin in his one year, I'm trying yeah. to recall. Did Yeah. He may have had a couple, but you know, it, for me, it goes back to kind of the earlier eras of guys like Antonio McDice, just sort of freak athletes. McDice, um, many, many years ago, Gerald Wallace was certainly that type of athlete. Uh, Robert Ori, as much as he's known or became known as sort of more of a perimeter shooter in his NBA career, he could throw it down pretty good himself. Guys just before you jumping on the beat. Like, Scenario Hillman was an explosive leaper and jumper. Um, yeah, but I'm with you on Tony Mitchell. You know, Tony, uh, you didn't always know exactly what you were going to get with Tony on a day-to-day basis. Uh, but if he did have the opportunity to put somebody on a, on a poster, he, he didn't hesitate to do that. So, Jamichael Green could throw it down pretty good. But, you know, that's where you get into some of the bigs. And it seems like it's always, especially like in the NBA dunk contest back in the days when we actually had one. Um, you know, it was it was the guys six three to like six six. It was just it's just more impressive when it's a non big right throwing it down.
0: Yeah, I mean if you have a shooting guard like a Vince Carter or heck a Michael Jordan, like those guys are the yeah. ones that are going to have the finesse with it to go with the power. Uh, the big guys, I the mean,
1: grace, yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: Dwight Howard having the, the Superman cape on and, and dunking from essentially the free throw line, that's impressive. But you, know, you, <laughs> you see some of the things that um, Vince Carter was able to do. It's just it's everybody just goes crazy when it happens. And, you know, I mean, as a uh, a lowly orlando magic fan um you get to see that in that uniform but also a guy like aaron gordon i think he's been robbed twice during yeah. the the dunk contest he's a little bigger he's about six eight so he's he's getting into the big range he's still you know i, I consider him a small forward even though he plays at the four but I mean, he's a guy too just an explosive athlete those are the guys that whenever they're able to um get in transition or have an open lane to the hoop but you know you you pay attention because you know something special is going to happen and you can kind of i'm not liking him to any of those players but you can tell that darius miles has some explosive ability and, and that dunk was just an example of that i think you know with time he could be a kid that's you know a lot of fun to watch and a, a special player for alabama
1: yeah and i wanted to ask you too you know as while we're on the topic of uh Alabama hoops and we'll get into some football coming up after the break but and you look at the newcomers on this team and just about every one of these guys has hit and I'm not just talking about guys who came on board prior to this season but you had guys last year that had to sit out like Javon Quinterly like Rojas um, Jawan Gary uh, if you had to pick a newcomer of the year for this Alabama men's basketball team Charlie, uh, you got Josh Primo, you got Keon Ellis, mm-hmm. uh, who would be your pick right now? It, it's tough Jordan to pick Yeah. Mean, yeah. It's tough to pick one. I would probably lean toward Bruner
0: because you see what Alabama was able to do in January when he was healthy. I mean, they were on that run where, you know, they looked like a team that was going to make a long run in the tournament. They, they still look like that, but they were complete at that point before all the injuries started happening. So I would give the nod to Jordan Bruner. But Josh Primo, I mean, he's been in the lineup uh, for a while now. And, um, you know, we've seen what he can do when he's on. He's a special talent. That five-star rating was was very obvious with the, the talent and ability that he has. And, um, you know, I think with, with him, I mean, it's, If he's a guy that comes back, and I think that's, you know, one and done is a potential for him, but I I think he would benefit from another year. But, uh, you know, him in in year two in this NATO system would be really scary. And then I I think a a dark horse is is Keon Ellis because he's not a guy that just, Mm -hmm. you know, he's not filling up the box score every night, but Keon is, is. just a guy that you know you're going to get strong effort from. Um, you know, he's a guy. All, all these guys that have, have made mistakes. You know, we've seen the turnovers happen, but he's a guy that's going to be sprinting his ass off to the other end of the court and try to play defense. And uh, I think he's been a lot of fun to watch in a, in a strong addition. But I mean, it's it's a, a long list. I mean, obviously they added a lot of players to the roster this year, and, and all of them for the most part have been contributing in some way.
1: And usually when you see guys have injuries early on in their stint. At a particular stop That red flag goes up in your mind About well this may not work out Kind of felt that way about Jawan Gary maybe even Rojas To an extent but here they are Coming off those injuries and, and Very very critical to Alabama Success uh, in this 2020-2021 Season what about Texas A&M coming up do we know anything Else I know the Aggies Again, it is a Monday afternoon. I know the Aggies uh, had COVID issues over the weekend. Uh, have we heard anything else, or is we just working on the assumption that that Alabama is going to be in College Station Wednesday night?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I believe it was last Friday. So you know, they they played Georgia on Saturday. We heard from Meadows and some players on Friday, and he was actually asked about that. And he said his understanding is Alabama's administration and A&M's administration had had conversations and their belief is that the, the game would be on. And we know that A&M's missed their last four games because of COVID issues. And you know, that's a, a two-week window. And you would think that their time is up to be able to get back on the court and play a game. And um, right now I think that's the plan. But now, you know, what we talked about at the beginning, you got to think about the weather too. Um, you know, a lot of teams are – traveling in advance um uh, you know to to get to their destinations I, I haven't heard anything from alabama in terms of that being the case i think they're still probably going to leave tomorrow but things can change quickly um you know I, we're supposed to talk to, to NATO's and some players tomorrow i don't know whether that'll be in tuscaloosa or in college station you know we'll see but a lot of uh, moving parts for this game but right now as you know we sit here and record this podcast it's It's set to to take place Wednesday in College Station.
1: We're going to step aside for a break. And when we come back with Charlie Potter, we're going to get into some football talk here on the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to the podcast? It's free, simple as a click or two. And if you don't mind, a rating and a review would be greatly appreciated as well. Again, it's Bama Online Podcast anywhere you consume podcasts. Back with more
0: Broomgate. Available now.
1: Back with more of the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, joined by Beat Reporter Charlie Potter on a Monday afternoon uh, post-Valentine's Day. Did you do right by that beautiful bride of yours for the Valentine's Day holiday, Charlie? Did you do well for yourself? <laughs>
0: I did. Um, you know when someone gets mad at the gift? Um, <laughs> you did pretty well because they think they didn't do right by you. Uh, I'm a okay, guy, yeah. I am. I am a very picky and particular person. Like I'm. No. I'm not the guy to surprise because one, I'm I am particular, but two, I don't hide my emotions very well. So if I don't like something, I'm not good at you know faking it. Um, so my wife hates buying gifts for me and, uh, but I'm also the guy that like around Christmas time and, and holidays, like Valentine's day, I, I like to give, I like to give gifts. I have, um, you know, we don't have any kids of our own, but, uh, my sisters have, uh, I have two nephews and a, and a niece. I like to just shower them with gifts. Uh, I like to see them open gifts. So, and the same goes for, um, my wife and, uh, I bought her, a nice gift and she was upset about it not the fact of what it was but the fact that uh, i guess when you're just talking about price and and value that it was it was better than what she got me so i did good <laughs> um and uh you know we we didn't do much it's it's cold as hell in tuscaloosa and we haven't really gone to any restaurants uh, for a while now so just a, a chill weekend at home but uh it was good overall what about you guys
1: yeah. You know, when you're married and then you got a couple daughters, you can kind of triple Valentine's Day. That's what happens with all the women in my life. But it was good. It was good. You know, I, it's well documented. The wife is in the chocolate business. So that's a no go for me. By the time the night of the 14th rolls around, she's pretty, pretty OK with never seeing chocolate again. <laughs> although she's right back in the store on Monday. Um, so I did this flowers, you know, did some flowers you can never go wrong with the mani-pedi combo. You know, a little spa treatment, and guys, always be sure to throw the gratuity on that gift card too. A lot of the guys they just cover the cost of the mani-pedi. You still got to have some gratuity on there. You don't want your lady stuck with the gratuity after she got her mani-pedi. So you know, think ahead a little bit. Yeah, I did all. The, I did those things. That's what I did. Nice card, you know, and then uh, a little dinner. So yeah, it was good. It was good, but man, these daughters—you know—you start lumping them in there, and they'll, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll eat away at those funds. They eat away at those <laughs> funds pretty quickly. Hey, let's uh, let's get into some Alabama football talk. And I know something you've been following closely, and we have at the website BamaOnline.com, This search for a cornerbacks coach or an assistant coach, presumably on the defensive side of the ball, upon the departure of Carl Scott, and looks like that came to a culmination over the weekend, Charlie.
0: Yeah, it did. Um, yeah, I don't think there was a, a shortage of interest in this position just because um, you know, Alabama's defensive backs have, have been successful. You know you're gonna coach some of the best players in the country, but um, you know, most like Alabama's targeted Jay Valai, who's a, a guy that's been many places uh, this year. Uh, <laughs> last year, he was the defensive backs or the cornerbacks coach, I'm sorry, at Texas. And then, of course, with the, the coaching change, he wasn't retained. That happens. It's not a surprise there. And, you know, the, the first opportunity he got was to be defensive backs coach at the University of Houston. But then, um, you know, later the Philadelphia Eagles came calling and they offered him an assist- assistant defensive backs coaching position. He accepted that. And then here comes Nick Saban with an opportunity to coach corners at Alabama. And, um, you know, he's a guy. It's a it's a role that hasn't been officially announced by Alabama. We know this entire offseason they've taken their sweet time with that. But, you know, Jay has already changed his profile picture on um twitter and kind of announce it himself so all but official that jay will be alabama's next cornerbacks coach replacing carl scott who's moving on to the nfl and the minnesota vikings and um hopefully that'll be the the end of the coaching turnover that's <laughs> that's five coaches four on offense one on defense but you never know i mean these things I don't, I don't think we fully anticipated carl scott to move on but it happened and uh you'll continue to monitor it. but right now Alabama's coaching staff for the 2021 season is intact with the addition of Vali.
1: Yeah, you said it, man. The path that uh, Vali has taken really in the last four or five years, but especially in this last month, it kind of sucked <laughs> up the coaching business these days to a T. And we're going to stick with the defensive side of the ball today on the podcast as sort of a theme. Uh, A lot of interest, apparently, and Hank South had just an outstanding update with the father of Henry Toa Toa, the Tennessee linebacker, who is in the transfer portal in relation to Henry's strong interest, I think it's safe to say, in the Alabama Crimson Tide, so we have enough of a sample size, I mean, we've both seen a good bit of Henry Toa Toa these last couple of seasons, Charlie, up there at UT, so let's talk about a potential defense defense. At Alabama with Henry Toa Toa at the linebacker position. Again, as Hank outlined with Henry's father in that update, still waiting to see how the one-time transfer rule is going to play out. I know a lot of folks anticipate that it will go through uh, in the cu- next couple of months. And if it does, based on that update from Hank South, which you can still find at BamaOnline.com, sounds like uh, it's not a stretch at all to think that Henry Toa Uh, Could end up in Tuscaloosa for at least A year Um, So let's get into that Uh, Christian Harris obviously coming back Uh, If you do Inject Henry Toa Toa Into this scenario I guess the potential for bad news Would rest with obviously guys Like Jalen Moody and uh, Ali Kahoe and uh, Some of the depth providers There at inside linebacker but uh, How do you see that sort of shaking out I mean is it is it is is it hard to envision a scenario other than Christian Harris and Henry at inside linebacker?
0: Yeah, it would be tough to to imagine Henry coming in and, and not being a starter just because of how much and how well he played at Tennessee. Um, I know, you know, he had issues. He's a young guy playing early. We saw that uh, in the 2019 season with Christian Harris and Shane Lee. Young guys are going to make mistakes, but he's a talented player. He's a guy that flies all over the field. He led the balls and tackles this past season, just a, a tackling machine. So to pair him with Christian Harris, it would be a, a very, very strong combo. But that does also, you know, lead you to believe that you know, the guys that have been waiting their turn behind a Dylan Moses and you know the the older guys that watched true freshmen uh, start in the 2019 season, guys like Moody and Caho and, and now Shane Lee, um, you know, they might look elsewhere um you know they might look for for greener pastures and opportunities to to get on the field so um you know that happens when you accept transfers um especially at a position where had or should henry not come to tuscaloosa there's going to be competition at that mike linebacker spot or at least one of the inside linebacker spots if christian harris doesn't slide over from will to mike but you know it's a it's an interesting uh, development when that it makes sense just because you're losing a guy like Dylan Moses and you would be adding a guy with a ton of experience in toa toa. But, um, you know, it, it's also a, a situation and it's kind of the, the business of the sport these days where you add a guy like that, it's going to come in and make an immediate contribution and you're going to lose guys that have been in the program. So, um, you know, it'd be something, obviously we're going to watch, see how it plays out. But, with the addition of of that, that would solidify that middle of the defense and, uh, and add to a defensive front that returns a lot from last year's team.
1: And I guess in some ways, Charlie, it might impact even the depth at outside linebacker, because whether you go to your nickel or your dime packages and you become more pass coverage or pass rush oriented in second and third and long, you can keep Toa Toa and Harris on the field together, right? And so if you do that and you've already got your Jack and your Sam out there, maybe in your rabbits uh, with four linebackers on the field, that's that's a role that sometimes you see an outside linebacker in the past, Phil, whether it was an Anthony Jennings or, you know, a Christian Miller or one of those kind of guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, even if you don't add toe to toe to this defense, it's going to be tough for guys to get on the field uh, ahead of. Uh, Chris Allen and and Will Anderson with the years they put together last mm-hmm. year. Alabama's recruited well at that position. You know we saw Drew Sanders get some playing time last year. Um, you're not going to have a Ben Davis around, so some of those younger guys could. Um, you know, get more opportunities, and you you added some special uh, players this cycle. Dallas Turner being the most notable, uh, the kid from from South Florida. So yep. um, yeah, it, it's it's tricky because you can leave those guys on the field, but it's also tough because you're not going to take four and, and thirty one off the field very much because of how explosive they are. So um, yeah, the the top of the linebacker pecking order should toa, toa come to Tuscaloosa would be pretty set. And then from a rotational aspect, you know it's tough to take those guys off the field because of the talent that they they bring and the experience now that they all have. So it'll be a, an interesting thing to watch and, and see how they kind of manage that. Because we saw a pretty heavy rotation on the defensive line last year. We didn't really see much uh, at the outside linebacker position, and, and that was honestly a bit surprising, given we had a, a, a true freshman. Uh, step into the starting lineup and to to follow last year and and will anderson he solidified his spot in that lineup and made it tough for them to take him off the field so how they handle that how they manage that how they maybe go about a rotation and and mixing and matching some guys there will be very intriguing to follow
1: it could make for an awkward spring couldn't it because Toa toa won't be here and kind of like jake coker if you consider the quarterback situation remember that back in The spring of 2014, Jake Coker was already set to make his way to Alabama, but he had to graduate from Florida State first. But there was already this narrative that, well, as soon as Jake Coker gets here, he's going to be the starting quarterback. It ended up being Blake Sims in 2014 and not Jake Coker. Um, But I agreed on Toa Toa. I mean, Jake Coker wasn't a starter Mm -hmm. at Florida State. You know, Henry Toa Toa is a two year starter in this league who would be making his way. But um, I wouldn't envy, I guess, Pete Golding in managing that situation beyond Christian Harris. If, in fact, it's pretty much a given that everybody else in that room knows that Henry Toa Toa is on the way, even though he's not here. You get where I'm going?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's also just – I mean, with what Alabama has been able to do these last two cycles from recruiting, if they add him and then the possibility of JTT – I know that you like to pronounce his name whenever you and Tim are on the podcast. Tui
1: Malalo. Tui Malalo.
0: There you go. If you add those two – If you (laughs) add those two guys to this defense, which it has to replace guys like Patrick Sertan and Christian Barmore and Dylan Moses, but that's kind of it. If you add those two with the young guys that they have way in the wings – these, this defense could be one of the best in the country uh, next year. It's just you know the, the rich get richer with the additions they have coming after signing the highest ranked recruiting class
1: of all time. Yeah, it's kind of crazy thing. And you don't, you absolutely don't say no to a guy like no. Henry Toa You just you don't do it. Um, sticking with the defense, and let's go up front. I got a question for you. Uh, more tackles for loss? Way too early question. More tackles for loss in 2021, LeBron Ray or Tim Smith. Now they don't necessarily play the same position, but both it's easy to project. Both as every every down type guys. Uh, But I'm going to go ahead and ask it anyway, LeBron Ray or Tim Smith, more tackles for loss. Yeah. I
0: mean, it all depends on LeBron Ray's health. I think if he's able to stay on the field, like he did in 2018, Um, he would be the easy choice he had six back in in 2018 of course we all know that he missed uh, a big chunk of time this past season with that elbow injury and uh, ended up with just a half of a tackle for loss and you look at Tim Smith as a true freshman he played I believe nine games he had two and a half Um, he seemed to be getting more and more comfortable as the season progressed and really became disruptive there in the middle of that defensive line I think he has a a bright future but if Ray can come back healthy and stay healthy you know he's going to be a guy that's on the field um a lot he's going to be the guy on the field in that dime rabbits look especially with Christian Barmore moving onto the league so um if healthy LeBron Ray but if you know Ray matches the same kind of uh, production and, and availability of the last two seasons. I, I would give the, the nod to Tim Smith because I think he's a guy that is going to be stepping into a bigger role, getting a little bit more playing time. And with that becomes or it comes more production and, and more tackles for the loss.
1: Ultimately, they could end up helping each other, couldn't they? Because yeah. if LeBron is healthy. I, I would think he's potentially looking at double teams early in the season, which could help Tim Smith and those other defensive linemen. But I think if you try to single block Tim Smith a lot early in the season, you'll end up seeing opponents, as the season moves on, start to send doubles uh, his way, which in turn obviously could help LeBron Ray. And I know intangibly um, the impact that that LeBron could certainly have on this team and a team in need of, of emerging leaders, as you outlined in a piece for us at Bama Online on Monday. Uh, you got LeBron right at the top of that list, too.
0: Yeah, and I mean, defensively, Alabama's returning a lot of guys that have played a lot of football, and we saw this past year, when you look at just the captains uh, for the 2020 team, they were all in the offensive side of the ball, so it's time for some defensive guys yeah. to step up, and I think, you know, you look at the defensive line, uh, we heard a lot from Phil Mathis last year, and, and he talked about just stepping into a leadership role, but doing so and helping out LeBron Ray. LeBron Ray was already the leader of that defensive line last year. And I think if healthy and, you know, spending more time on the practice field and in drills, I mean, he's a a clear choice on the defensive side of the ball. The same goes for Christian Harris, an inside linebacker. You know, Chris Allen can help out up there on the defensive front. And I think Jordan Battle is a guy that could be a, a leader in the back end at the safety position. But, you know, LeBron Ray is a guy that those guys in the defensive line room respect. They look up to, they they seek uh, and go to for advice. So, yeah, I mean, uh, he can make an extreme contribution in 2020 if he's healthy, or in 2021 if he's healthy. But, um, you know, Ray has an impact both on and off the field with what he presents from an experience and just from a guy that a lot of people, you know,
1: look to whenever they need some help. Still one of the damnedest stats you'll find for Alabama football is a 13-0 and national championship UA team with no defensive captains. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's crazy when you think about the the history of Alabama football and the impact on the defensive side of the ball that uh, those uh, national championship teams have had, no doubt. Uh, speaking of the defensive line, we'd be remiss if we didn't note the passing of Lorenzo Washington at the age of 34 Of course, Zoe, a big part of those early Nick Saban era teams Was actually a recruit from the Mike Shula era And I recall that in most part Because site publisher Tim Watson and myself Actually made a road trip over to uh, the Grayson High School In the, uh, the Atlanta area When Zoe was a senior over there playing for Mickey Kahn former Alabama player who's now on the staff with Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. And we had an opportunity to really get to meet Lorenzo and spend some time with him. And uh, just even then came across as very affable, very personable, easy guy to talk to, get along with, and just absolutely hate to hear of his passing Charlie uh, again at the, the young age of, of 34.
0: Yeah. And of course, you know, Lorenzo was before my time on the beat, but you can see just from the, the outpour from his former teammates, um, you know, taking to social media and sharing their condolences, what kind of guy he was. Um, and we've seen stuff from Eric Anders, uh, Greg McElroy, just a number of guys taking to social media and, and sharing their sadness, really, because uh, they lost one of their brothers. And it, it's a shame. Uh, there's no details yet. So uh, I don't know if we'll get that or not. I think Nick Saban will probably be sending out a, a statement at some point whenever they, they speak to the family. But it's just it's tough to see because he, he's young. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not 30 yet, but 34 is just a few steps ahead of me. And to, to see that, it's, it's always tough to swallow.
1: Yeah, he was a guy again as a recruit, especially for the Shula era. Uh, he was about as big as it gets in terms of landing a, a big time player uh, for Mike and that staff, and uh, you know was a central figure on those defensive lines in the early stages of the Saban era, part of that 2009 national championship team, and we certainly join all of those out there sending their uh, condolences to the uh, family of Lorenzo Washington. That's going to do it, Charlie, for our latest edition of the Bama Online Podcast. You know, we got some spring sports, though, upon us. Some already cranking up. Alabama softball with a 4-0 weekend uh, in its wake. Uh, You got Alabama baseball. Hopefully, it doesn't feel like baseball weather too much, though, Charlie, with Alabama baseball set to get underway this weekend at the Joe
0: it doesn't um you know it's it's funny cuz my nephew plays uh JV baseball back in my hometown of Boaz and they started up uh this past weekend and uh my dad went to the game and he just called me cussing at how cold it was so uh, <laughs> I can attest to that it is definitely it definitely doesn't feel like baseball weather yet. But no, I mean, it's exciting to get uh, Alabama baseball season started up. I think uh, a lot of people had high hopes for last year before it was canceled prematurely, right before the start of SEC play. And I know Brad Bohannon is excited for this club to get on the field and see what they can do.
1: Patrick Murphy over the weekend picks up his 1100th win as head coach. Wow. What a program Murph has built. Over there off campus drive Incredible incredible Program under Patrick Murphy Well that's going to do it for this edition Of the Bama online podcast Charlie as always appreciate the time my man No problem man stay warm And uh, we'll look forward to doing it again soon Yeah If you got a generator God bless you I uh, I gotta make that move at some point But for Charlie Potter Travis Ryer echoing the sentiments of Charlie Stay warm stay safe And keep it locked to BamaOnline.com for all things Alabama Crimson Tide. So long, everybody.